Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert along with Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. And if you're new to the show, welcome to the party. 45 years in journalism between the two of us, over 35 covering sports in the H, so you're in good hands. And Sean, since we last spoke, the Texans have been a little bit busy in free agency. And just so everybody knows, we're recording early Thursday night. Important to know in case there are signings that happen by the time you listen, because Sean, I wanted to start going over the Texans acquisitions, both through signings and by trade from your most favorite to maybe your least favorite, at least of the, the major signings. And then we'll go through some of the, the minor stuff as well. Yeah, that's cool. I'll characterize it as not, you know, um, most favorite to least favorite, but maybe uh, most impactful to uh, most meaningless. <laughs> if you want to do it that way. Um, the most important signing right off the bat for me was Sheldon Rankins. Uh, he'll be 29 this year. It's a one-year deal like most of these are. I think the longest deal that any one free agent got was three, but his is a one-year deal worth about $10.5 million. I like it because he can stop the run, and it's what the Texans' defense was absolutely worst at last year. He's familiar with the defense. He'd spent the last two seasons with Robert Sala in New York with the Jets, who, of course, is a product of the 49ers like D'Amico Ryans. Uh, so I like that one. That's my absolute favorite signing amongst the uh, amongst the bunch. Yeah, I, I liked it. I don't know if I would call it my favorite, but, yeah, the numbers show his numbers against the run are fantastic. I, I guess – that is important because, you know, we're going to get into it later. But one of the things that I least liked about their free agency is we haven't seen them get a linebacker again. This is Thursday night. So maybe there's somebody that they're still going to get. And that's a position that I just feel like is the weakest on the roster overall. But yeah, Rankins was a great one. Uh, my next one is Shaq Mason, who was not a free agent uh, acquisition, but rather uh, via trade. Um, you know, the offensive lineman can play either guard position. He, too, is 29 years old. Uh, Texans get a seventh-round pick with him as well. Uh, they've already got the Mr. Irrelevant pick, so Nick Casario stockpiling those. I like Shaq Mason. People should know his name. Really good player in New England for a lot of years. He was up there with Casario. You know, he's a veteran, regular starter for all eight years that he's been in the league. Uh, he plays hurt, but he's been very healthy throughout his career. Um, and gives a boost to a group a group that really needed it, Robert. Um, in four of his last six seasons, I looked this up, thought this was pretty interesting. He's allowed just one sack in four of his last six seasons. Not total, but one sack in four of those last six seasons. And, you know, he had a couple of weak years where he'd given up three, four sacks. Didn't really grade out all too well on PFF. But he's played the most snaps out of anybody in terms of last season at his position and I think it's overall a really, really good acquisition for a group that still needs a center. Personal favorite acquisition because I was big on us getting a guard and a center. The Texans needed both of those positions. The Mason deal reminds me quite a bit of when they picked up Seth Myers for a six-round pick a few years ago, and that was such a difference maker. Mason, if you look at his pro football focus numbers over the last several years, are outstanding. Now, he had a drop-off last year uh, back to about 69 out of 100 in the pro football focus numbers, but that number is still better than anything that A.J. Can has had since 2016. So he's yeah. such an upgrade over A.J. Can, and that's why I really love it, is when you can upgrade that much at one position. And hopefully that drop-off was just a one-year thing. He, he is a little bit older, of course, 
into his early 30s. But, you know, for a guard, that should not be prohibitive. So, yeah, I love that signing. Yeah, I'll look at the quarterback situation, too. And maybe you never know how much that, you know, impacts a number in terms of what they're being asked to do in a particular system. But my next is uh, defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway, 28 years old, seven-year veteran, played for D'Amico. Uh, last season in San Francisco. He's on with the Texans on a one-year deal, fairly cheap, worth about $4 million bucks. His familiarity is another good thing. He's been very good against the run for his career. I think will be a good quality depth guy for the Texans and a mentor for the young guys in a position group that, let's be honest, really, really, really needs it uh, because they've lost some guys defensively. He's just one of those, one of those pros, pros. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's a, it's a really another solid pickup uh, for Casario and the Texans. You have not got to my number two guy yet mm. because Ridgeway for me was down a little bit being that he, he is a backup. Um, he, he's solid. It's a depth. You need yes. it, but there's just been, I guess so many depth guys that Casario has signed over the last couple of years. And I'm like, man, I, I need to see impact. I need to see guys that are starters and they don't have to be, blue chip, blue star starters. I just want to see guys that are good. And between the defensive line and the linebacker core, we talked about the one edition of Rankins, but you only got one starter. So that means you got to do a lot of work in the draft. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, we can talk much more about the philosophy and free agent acquisitions a little bit later, because I do have some thoughts on that. Uh, But my next one is Robert Woods. I know we talked about him a little bit, but that's where I have him ranked in my pecking order. I just think it's another really, really solid signing. Since we talked about him, uh, I'll just move on to my next guy. And it's another wide receiver, uh, Noah Brown. Uh, former Dallas Cowboy, now 26 years old, signed a one-year, $2.5 million deal with the Texans. He adds depth to a receiver core that absolutely needed it, and it's obviously a little bit bolstered now by Robert Woods. But with Nico Collins, John Mechie, and Amari Rogers, I don't know um, if the Texans really have a future in mind for Amari Rogers, but that's going to be kind of an interesting follow. I think Noah Brown's going to really end up competing with Nico Collins and him for uh, time. He had the best season of his career last year with the Cowboys, and it was the first season in which Dallas had given him a real opportunity to play meaningful snaps. And he was out on the field most of the time and, you know, looked pretty good. And I just wonder if it's one of those things like where he kind of figured the system out a little bit and it's something that the Texans, you know, kind of saw in him like, hey, this guy really gets it now. He's a good route runner. His catch percentage, I think we'd all like to see it a little bit higher. I think it's around 58, 59 percent. But again, another solid signing. And I like it just from the competitive standpoint that you have a guy who's been there. He's been in the league and he's coming off of his best year in the league and still feels like he has something to prove in a young receiver core, and I think he could really help him out. Mm, not, not moving my needle much with that signing to me. He's a guy that's, you know, third or fourth wide receiver. He's in that group of guys that we saw last year that, you know, were okay, but, you know, not starter-level quality. He had a good season last year, his first of his career. He's been around for a while. It's somebody that, like, okay, can he do this? Again, can he be solid? But he, there's mm-hmm. nothing spectacular about him. It's, it's a, to me that's a that's a wait and see. I'm still I'm still waiting for my number two guy. I hope that you're going to talk maybe, about him soon. Maybe, maybe this is him, uh, Jimmy Ward. Yes, um, yeah, Jimmy Ward. I, I have him a little low because I I just kind of put these in the level of importance in which I think the Texans really needed to add quality depth. Not to say that I'm I'm you know kind of sliding the secondary or the safety position in any way, but 
you know, Jimmy, he's 31 years old. I think his real value here is the fact that he's going to really be able to help Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley out in the young secondary, particularly, you know, Derek Stingley, who wasn't used optimally at all last season, was in a funky defensive system, one that, you know, seemingly played scared. And Jimmy's a physical guy. Jimmy's a go-getter. He's a leader in the locker room. He knows the defense, which is, you know, the number one reason why I really like the signing. I think uh, outside of him being a good mentor, just the familiarity with the defensive system can kind of be that coach on the field for D'Amico Ryans and Matt Burke. He's 31. It's not ancient, but I still think it's a fair question. You know, how much does he have left in the tank? Yeah, I love this because of some of the things that you mentioned. He's a veteran. He can help out those two young guys that we just drafted last year, as you mentioned. But also, he's such a huge upgrade if you can keep him on the field. And that's the one concern about him is he gets hurt a lot. He doesn't play a lot of games or he doesn't play 16 games much at all. So that's the big concern. But what I mean, what I mean by an upgrade, Jonathan Owens last year had a 48 pro football focus grade. Jimmy Ward had a 76 pro football focus grade last year. That's a major improvement at that position. And if you can manage to keep the guy on the field and he's getting older, like you said, so that's, that's, that's really the one concern, but talent wise, this is absolutely in my top two moves for the Texans so far. Yeah. My next one is uh, um, in the running back room. Uh, Mike Brown, 27 year old, five-year vet that they'd signed. Uh, he's here on a two-year, what's reported as a three, $3.1 million deal, I believe it is. Solid backup option. And this means goodbye and thank God goodbye, uh, Rex Burkhead. Um, they needed a veteran in the running back room and somebody that can produce in limited opportunities that he's seen, um, you know, in his short career so far. I mean, the yards per carry is pretty solid. I think it's an average of about 4.5, 4.6. He's never averaged less than 4.3, I believe, in his career through his first five years. And I'm guessing, you know, the Texans like the fact, too, that for the first time really in Boone's career, they used him as a pass catcher out of the backfield quite a bit last season. And I think the Texans like that. Given the offense that San Francisco likes to run, obviously there's a big importance on a fullback, the versatility there. They're going to ask their backs to do quite a bit. We know Damian Pierce can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think Boone... Um, the fact that he showed that he could and be effective last year can as well. It's just a good veteran to have in the running back room and, you know, supply some competition for whomever the Texans bring in, probably one, two, or three other young backs this offseason. The name is okay, I guess, but it's not somebody I think most Texans fans are going to be familiar with or get excited about. But uh, you said the main reason. Uh, no more Rex Burkhead. I mean, that's yeah. that's all we need to hear is no more Rex Burkhead. And hopefully this guy could give you a little bit more juice than Burkhead. You know, I don't think this is oh, yeah. anything major. And I think we're starting to get out of the real moves that I thought were splash moves of the free agent period. I mean, at this point, it's just like, just another guy, just another guy, just another, you know, a lot of Jags at this point. Yeah, a lot of Jags, but they're better Jags than what they'd had before, um, <laughs> you know, this past season and certainly really the last two or three. The next guy, uh, versatile guy, fullback slash tight end, uh, Andrew Beck, 26 years old, uh, former Denver Bronco. He's here on a two-year deal worth about six and a quarter million dollars. He'll obviously compete with Troy Hairston, who's entering his second year uh, as an undrafted guy. He'll compete with Hairston. And I think this is really interesting because Harrison is not a natural 
you know, backfield player. Well, neither is Andrew Beck. Andrew Beck, you know, is a tight end and just transitioned to fullback within the last year or two. So I think it's kind of an interesting move from the Texans. Um, I was doing some reading in terms of how San Francisco and this offense particularly like places value on the fullback and, you know, playing in 21 personnel. San Francisco particularly used 21 personnel about 33% of the time last year. And I'd be interested to see how the Texans go forward using that personnel grouping and how Beck and or Hairston, you know, factor into that. I mean, it's going to be one or the other. And presumably it's going to be Beck just because of his familiarity, familiarity with the offense. But he's still just a second year fullback like Troy Hairston is. So I think another healthy competition in training camp, something to look forward to. You said the thing that most intrigues me, Hairston, without the history of being a pass catcher. And that's what you would like in your fullback is somebody that can do a couple of different things for you, not just make the block, but can do that sort of thing. And we didn't see much of anything from Troy Hairston last year in the pass catching area. So if he can give you a little bit more of a dimension out there, that would be good. I'm just, it's a wait and see for, for me with him. It's interesting that they spent this much money on a fullback. That's that's the thing that I just find intriguing because I, I don't know if I'm ever really enthused about spending a lot of money on a fullback. To me, those guys are a lot of times off the field in your most important situations in an offense. Yeah, um, and the level of importance of the fullback position is kind of like you said, a wait and see, because are they going to trend more like San Francisco did last year, or are they going to do some different things? And I think it still kind of comes down to the quarterback, what they can do you know, to fill out the rest of the offensive line, namely center, and some of the other skill position players that they're able to put around those guys. Uh, next up on my list is Case Keenum. Uh, I, I love the signing. Uh, it, it was out of sight, out of mind for me. I mean, he's 35 years old. This is his third tour of duty with the Houston Texans. A at this point in time, like, this doesn't move, you know, the, the ticker at all. But I like it for one real reason, and it's that the guy's been around for a reason, okay? I mean, he's, what, 9, 10, 11-year NFL vet by this point. He's played for about half the league, it seems like. There's a reason for that. He's a guy who can come into a locker room and be a good, positive voice and be a teacher, be a coach to a young quarterback and to just young players, period. Very positive guy, very vocal guy in the locker room. I covered him uh, four years at U of H. Had the pleasure of doing that, but he's a pro's pro. And for all the reasons that I just mentioned, just a good quality backup. He's he's have you ever heard the term, you know, he's a three game backup you know he's a guy that if you're if your quarterback goes down he can step in and kind of fill that void and keep you in some ball games for the next month or so until your guy comes back and so for that reason I think it's a, a really just solid signing for Casario good quality guy yeah I would move him in front of the running back and the fullback that you just mentioned in front of those two guys Boone and Beck and I think it's important and massively an upgrade because last year they didn't have this type of guy for Davis Mills to lean on. We had guys that were not around as long as Case Keenum, who hadn't had as many real starts as Case Keenum has had over the years. And yeah, it's a big deal. You're bringing in a quarterback. We're assuming they're bringing in a quarterback to have somebody that's been around as long as Case Keenum, who's seen as much as he, ha he has, and who's comfortable with the idea that my role is a backup quarterback in the NFL. And, and I don't think, you know, he's going to feel slighted at all by not 
starting, you know, he knows what the situation is. And, you know, well, why not have a Coog on the, on the bench? That's kind of a cool thing, too. <laughs> Very cool thing. Very cool. Um, last on my list, Chase Winovich. I've got him last because he's here so cheap. You know, former Patriot, former Brown defensive end. He's here on a one-year deal uh, just over or just under $3 million. He'll be 28 this year, I believe. Really good in college. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, he was a third-round pick, and a lot of people thought he was going to go higher than that super disruptive film at Michigan. I was hoping the Texans would draft him years ago, went to New England, and had a really good first couple of years there. Looked pretty on par, you know, given his limited playing time in New England, how he did at Michigan. Really disruptive player. He's here on the cheap, and it's kind of worth taking a flyer on this guy. To me, it's like best-case scenario. You just lost Oboe Okoronkwo. If he can be a guy that can replace Oboe, who ended up being a starter, but if Chase can be a good depth guy at the pass-rest position as an edge rusher, that to me is best-case scenario. Worst-case scenario, you know what? He doesn't look good, or he's injured in training camp. You cut him, and he's cheap and you go out and you find somebody else. One of the things I was looking at was how many of the guys that we signed are just added to Patriot South. And here are the players that we signed who were in New England with Casario. Uh, Shaq Mason, obviously, in the trade. You just mentioned Winovich and Andrew Beck. So I have three, unless I'm missing anybody, Sean. And then D'Amico's 49ers are Jimmy Ward and Hassan Ridgeway. So there are a couple of guys from there as well. Yeah. And, you know, familiarity, there's some system fits, there's some relationship fits, there's a little bit of both. I've got no problem with it, really. I was a little bit nervous when free agency first started because you were <laughs> the first guy that you got was Robert Woods. And then uh, I think it was uh, uh, Jimmy Ward. And then I was like, man, all right, he's 30, about to be 31. He's 31, about to be 32. It's like, can we get a little younger here? Are we going to get a little bit more aggressive here? You know, look, they they ended up getting a little bit younger, you know, got some guys in their mid to late 20s, um, you know, they've been in the league. There is familiarity with the system. So what a lot of these signings said to me is, yeah, while they had some cap space available to them, they weren't going to kind of, you know, blow it on a big ticket or a couple of big ticket guys. This is team building. I think there's always some sort of Easter eggs in what Casario says, and he's used the term team building. And I think he meant it really in more than one sense that, hey, yes, they're literally trying to fill the void on 22 to 25 roster spots that they came into the offseason with, with these guys. You want familiarity, but you also want good veterans that are going to be competitive, that are going to help you just be better, play better, play smart, tough, physical football, what they'd said. And all of these guys, you know, kind of fit that bill. They're not all starters, but they're all good guys uh, to have in a locker room to help bring younger talent in. And the Texans, as we know, are going to have a lot of picks, at least going in to the April 27th draft. Yeah, a couple of things. You talk about bringing something to a locker room. And yeah, Jimmy Ward and Shaq Mason are in their early 30s. But these guys have Super Bowl experience. And Shaq yeah. Mason can talk to... Kenyon Green. And we just talked about what Jimmy Ward can do yes. for Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie. Young guys, first round picks that you're trying to develop. And this is exactly the opposite of what has been going on over at the Toyota Center. And that's why I, I love it because you, you have to bring an environment. You have to bring an atmosphere. You have to bring, and I hate this word, but we talk about it all the time, a culture. 
Yeah, and that's super important. That's obviously something that's waned in recent years, more than just the last three with these one and done coaches. I mean, the, the change started long before. <laughs> um, and yes, the, the to me, I, I think it's a little bit disappointing for Texan fans this offseason when they see these free agent signings and they're just like middle of the road guys, Jags as you call them. Yeah, you know, some of them are, but you know, in in a better system, a system built to play better football, playing to win games, guys look different, okay? Don't just look at the name. Don't just look at the track record. A lot of these guys, as I mentioned, you know, Boone is one. Noah Brown is another one. These are guys that are coming off of, you know, their better seasons of their career and with an opportunity for more playing time here and a better culture fit here. And you know what? To accept, take on another challenge as a leadership role too, but then to be a part of an organization that is doing something that not a lot of other football teams in the NFL are doing right now. And that is, you know, they started literally from the ground and now they're building their way back up and they've got one of the hottest coaching candidates on the market in house and they're building this thing, right? At least they're trying to. So I think, I think there is a lot to look forward to here and the time will come. And to be honest with you, I think my gut's telling me next off season, I don't know the projected cap space that the Texans are going to have, but that's when you can kind of look for, you know, the bigger ticket guys. But I'm super excited, super excited about the draft and what this is going to mean for them because you look at a Case Keenum, that tells me they're really looking at young quarterback. Where are they going to take that guy? Is it two? Is it 12? I don't know. But I'm excited about some of these positions, knowing just some of the talent that is uh, ready to come out of college. Boy, I see some hatred for Nick Casario because he's not making the splash moves. Oh, we have all of this cap space. But this is a real key, Sean. And I think fans don't understand just how awful. I think a lot of them do, but not everybody. Just how awful this organization was left in the talent category when Nick Casario took over. So what he's tried to do, and we saw it last year and even more so this year in free agency, is you get guys. So you don't have to reach when it comes time to the draft. I've got to get this position. I've got to get that position. He's getting guys that are stopgap. If I can't find this player in the draft, this guard, this safety, this whatever, you know, if I can't find that guy. And so he's got to get maybe a little bit more quantity over quality because yeah. of that issue where you're just, you, you, you're so many holes to fill. Yes. And it's such a disaster. And I think people, you know, you, you don't realize, like, you, he can't do everything. It, it's impossible to do it all in one offseason. It is. It's really difficult. And, you know, the other thing people have to realize is the free agent market, I mean, it wasn't really eye-popping. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't a great quarterback. And how often is there a great quarterback available? Okay? You, you were going to draft a young guy anyway, I think. And in terms of receivers, like what receiver was hanging out there that would have made sense for you to bring in, you know, in the position that your franchise is in? The the two position groups, in my opinion, that they really kind of, you could say missed on, so to speak, but I don't really think so because I get what they're kind of trying to do is offensive line and defensive line. I would have really liked to have seen them, and I know they talked to them. I don't know how deep in conversations they were, but the center in San Francisco, Brindle, you know, um, 
they were in conversations with him, a couple of other guys that were free agents, but Brindle was probably the best of the bunch, and he would have been my favorite. You mentioned him months ago uh, because of his familiarity with the system. His stock rose extremely high for me, and just the fact he's an ascending player, and he knows the system. Um, and the Texans needed that guy. They needed a center because you could make an argument, man, you know, to heck with rock solid. This could be a really, really good group with a good, solid veteran center in here with your guard play and your tackle play. Presumably you're going to, uh, you know, uh, extend uh, Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil. But, you know, that's to me, at least on the left side, is still a wait and see. Those are really the two positions. And I know they had there was a big ticket signing on the defensive line. I still like the depth, though, and some plug and play guys that they've got some proven veterans and Sheldon Rankins um, and Hassan Ridgeway. You know, to me, he's a perfect plug and play familiarity with the system. So I like what they've done. They're going to be better. And I know they're going to be much better coached this season. So for those reasons is why I'm encouraged by free agency so far. Yeah, the defensive line, there's only so much that they they could do. But you talked about it. To me, the biggest disappointment was absolutely a center. But at least I know they were going after Jake Brendel. They also went after another linebacker that I was excited about. Another 49er, I should say, that's a linebacker that I was excited about. Aziz Al-Ashir, unfortunately, he goes to the division rival Titans. My biggest disappointment was the center, but I I just going to throw this out there because I heard it on your radio station, Sean, former Texan Ben Jones is still out there. Haven't heard any buzz about him. This draft appears to have some good middle round centers. So if Casario can't find a Shaq Mason like center in the trade market, you got to draft somebody, but you know, Ben Jones, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, you could do worse, right? And, you know, to be honest with you, why not go out and get Ben Jones if he if you can get him for, you know, something affordable and still draft a guy? I know they just re-signed Scott Questenberry, but, I mean, you you went into the season last year with Justin Britt, Scott Questenberry, and Jimmy Morrissey, three centers. So if you can get a proven veteran in here, Ben Jones, who hopefully— Coming off a of Pro Bowl, I should mention— yeah, coming off a of Pro Bowl, you know, hopefully he's healthy. I don't know how old Ben Jones is, though. Um, maybe you do. I didn't look that up. That was actually brought to my attention about three or four days ago, and we talked about him being on the market. And I was like, hmm, but how old is he? Um, you know, does he still have, you know, something left in the tank? I would presume so. I just I think that is a deal that would make absolute sense if you can get him you know, on an affordable price. I'd still like to draft one, though. And then Scott Questenberry. You know, maybe he assumes a role of like a Jimmy Morrissey. He's kind of been there, done that. You know, he was solid. I'd like to see him with better guard play around him, to be quite honest with you. Scott Questenberry is not a guy that I hate. I really liked him as a vocal guy, a leader in the locker room, somebody that stepped right up and I I thought filled the void very nicely on that Texans offensive line when they needed him to the most. Ben Jones, 33 years old. He'll be 34 by the time next year starts. And, you know, Ben Jones also... Just a good guy to have in the locker room. I remember him when he was with the Texans. He was fun, nice guy. Everybody loved Ben Jones, and you know, he, it would he would be it would be perfect if they could get him. But I've also heard rumors that he might not want to play anymore. So that's the other problem. <laughs> yeah, when you don't you don't want to repeat the whole Justin Britt sort of thing. Like I, Justin Britt was dealing with some personal matters. Um, wouldn't be 
you know, necessarily the same with Ben Jones, but you don't want a guy to come in here that's not 100% all in, maybe comes in out of shape or just is in shape, get hurt, gets hurt. You never know. I, you, you want something rock solid. You're building something here. And I would have no qualms with them taking a center in this draft, you know, in the mid mid rounds, if they can find that guy. And there's just not a lot of those guys out there at this point in time. And that, that was kind of my point. Like, hey, don't be disappointed necessarily in Casario. Maybe be disappointed in the market itself because it just wasn't a great year in free agency. There was a lot of action. It just wasn't a great year in free agency where what the Texans, you know, needed and wanted to do smartly. You don't want to spend you know, ridiculous money too soon after you've just kind of gotten out of the absolute hell that you've been in for the last three years. So I like the uh, the calculated and disciplined approach by Casario. And if that guy makes sense for him in the draft, fine. If Ben Jones makes sense for him in free agency, fine. I just want to make sure they're all in. What do you think out there? Jump in our comments. We want to hear from you. Make sure to subscribe as well as we Get closer and closer to a thousand. We need your help. Go tell your friends to subscribe to us too. It costs you nothing to subscribe. It is a free thing. You don't even have to get notifications, although we want you to get them. We'd love for you to have them to know when our next show is coming out. But if you're a fan, it's just a way to help us out. And we'd love to hear from you. Sean, any other last thoughts on free agency in general, league wide, anything that caught your attention? Well, Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, not necessarily free agency, but that whole trade thing. I'm just, you know, waiting to see how that shakes out. And I, we know how it's going to end. He's going to be a New York Jet, presumably. I want to see who's going to go with him. They already got Alan Lazard over there. And I want to see uh, what that band looks like when it's put together and they've got themselves a quarterback. And then good old Zach Wilson says he's going to give the, the starting quarterback absolute hell. <laughs> this uh, this next year so uh, that's going to be a really fun follow i think for us uh, outside of that man you know don't be disappointed in the texans free agency wise like the draft is coming up right around the corner just about a month and change away and the texans are going to have a lot of uh, ammo going in starting april 27th so i'm, I'm kind of pumped up i will say this i just reminded myself uh, i was going to ask you did you see the adam schefter comments today in regard to who now he thinks the number one target is for the number one overall pick by the Panthers. I haven't heard this. What is it? He thinks they're Bryce young. He thinks oh, wow. they're in the Bryce young business. And I was just like, can somebody please shoot me and put me out of my misery? I got really excited that the Panthers wanted CJ Stroud and young was going to fall to the Texans at two. Now, of course <laughs> we got a month, we got a month and change and we have about three weeks before Bryce young has his pro day. And hopefully it's uh more so along the lines of a Anthony Richardson kind of combine versus a Jalen Carter uh, pro day uh, experience for Bryce Young. What this tells me is it is a crap show over in Carolina. You've got yourself a new head coach. You spend all of this capital to move up to the number one pick and you're like three quarterbacks. Now we've heard you being mentioned with, I mean, you can't figure out which quarterback that you, we, We've done the combine. They got time. to watch these guys, you know, play football for the last few years. You made a trade to move up and you still don't know who you want to take with that pick that you spent all this capital. I, it, it blows me away. Like usually when you make a deal for a quarterback, you're like, man, we fell in love with this guy. He was the greatest guy ever. And it's like, these guys are looking at these three quarterbacks. Like, well, this is like the, it's become the bachelor. Like they don't, they have no idea. Like, hey. well, would you accept this rose? Wait, well, hold on. I'm not sure now. Let me think this out again. Would you accept this? Ro- no, no, no. 
<laughs> cross your fingers. Cross your fingers with me right now. Okay, do this. Cross your fingers and say, please draft Will Levis. <laughs> Number one overall. How would that be? How would that taste? I need I need Carolina to draft Will Levis. I don't owe you a lunch, by the way, because Jimmy G is nowhere near NRG Stadium. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I, see, I put the jinx. I put the jinx on him. All right, that's the one that worked. Yeah, it's I, a quick thing on the Rockets. They won a couple of games. I, I still see people out there that don't understand the lottery. Go look at there's a site. It's called Tankathon. <laughs> they are not close to finishing fourth in the in, among the three teams. Trust me, guys. The only thing that you care about is if they finish fourth because the top three guys are the same odds, no matter if you finish one, two, or three. It does not change your odds on those two, top three guys. And this draft, from all that everybody said, is about the top three guys. It was about the top two. Now Miller has moved into potentially maybe even the second pick, but no he's chance. at least a solid third guy in, in this draft. So this is about three guys. Beyond that, boy, it's flip a coin and hold your breath or whatever you want to do. If you're talking about five, six, or seven, and, and that's the only difference between finishing one, two, or three is the lowest you, you can get is five for one, for two is six, for three is seven. That's it. So yeah. like it's there, there's there's a minimal amount of games left, and you're still four games ahead of the fourth team. You, you, this team's not going to go on a 10-game winning streak. I promise you that. No. Um, so please, nobody out there be on pace, guy. Forget about that right now. This draft in general might be about three dudes at the top. But for the Rockets, it's about two, you know, and that's if they get the top pick, um, it's about one. And if they're number two, then scoot. But the good Dylan. news is, but hold on, you say it's just about two guys for the Rockets. But the good news is that Miller is now in the conversation for number two. And there are teams high in this draft, including the Detroit Pistons yeah. and the Charlotte Hornets that have a point guard. And if they convince themselves that Miller at a wing position is better than drafting a, that somebody that's definitely, a, I mean, look, there is no question that Scoot Henderson is a point guard. He's six foot one or two. He's a point guard in today's mm -hmm. NBA. There, he cannot play other positions. I wouldn't want him out there playing other positions if you draft him. So if you can convince them that Miller is a guy that they, you can take, you don't have to trade. The Rockets wouldn't even have to trade up for him. Those guys might actually take Miller if they finish in the second spot. And Scoot Henderson drops down to you. And the Rockets, the two positions that you would really love is Wemby, who's whatever. He can play whatever he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> he can play point guard. I don't care. He's he's a position that you need. It's called the superstar. And then Scoot, you need a point guard. That is, it is the most important thing that the Rockets could have right now. Yeah. So, to, for this whole roster as a point guard. Yeah, I just meant, you know, they're not, there's no way they're going to take uh, Brandon Miller, just like, you know, Jalen Carter at this point. Uh, I mean, that dude is falling faster and faster than, you know, a, a, a meteor, you know, to earth. I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't, not I don't happen. quite put Miller in the Jalen Carter category yet because Jalen Carter, it's not just one thing. He's now has a laundry list of stuff that's starting to, Go up against him. Yeah, he, that, and then his, he stunk it up at his pro day. You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and you know there there was word that was getting around there that this is somebody that had some issues. I, I have not heard that from anybody about Miller. This is not somebody that's an issue 
of showing up on time to practice and all that sort of stuff that you know but i mean you just you just I'm, I'm thinking like given the state of the rockets and who they have in the locker room right now that's not somebody you even want to consider taking a chance on you know in in having them infiltrate this locker room you need it, it, that that's bringing in baggage that you should be glad that you rid yourself of a couple of years ago. You know, it, it's another distraction unwarranted and it should be about team building and getting the very best possible players that check all of the other boxes, you know, tangibles and tangibles um, to boot. So I just don't think he's an option at all for the Rockets. Um, maybe another team, you know, sees it's beauty, not the beholder, but um, and we'll see. I mean, we're ways away from the NBA draft, and I'm just hoping that the uh, the Rockets, all of the everything that they've been through over the course of the last couple of years, turns out to be worth it. Because if they're not a top two, then I'd I'd make the argument that it really wasn't. You know, um, I'd, I'd be really dis it'd be really disconcerting. Got to do a quick tease before we close things out, and I'm going to go back to the Texans for this one because. I got a former Texan that's going to come on with me next week. We should be doing this uh, conversation on Tuesday. I will have it up within 24 hours of that. So it's something to look forward to. I will give everybody a hint. It's a guy that played for the Texans from 2009 to 2012. And he was a starter. And I think you fans kind of liked him back in the day. And we're a little disappointed that the Texans didn't try to keep him. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, scheduled to have that conversation on Tuesday. I'm excited about it. This is a guy that is going to have some insight, I think, into D'Amico Ryans, which uh, you guys are going to enjoy. And, and I'll ask him about some of the other players that he played with, including a couple of Hall of Fame Texans uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, Sean, looking forward to that. Exciting, man. Looking forward to it. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.